Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Virginia Shank. Virginia Shank, known by the stage name VA, is an accomplished international vocal artist and jazz performer, utilizing both straight ahead, spoken word, and free improvisation. VA is an imaginative vocalist with a broad stylistic stylistic reach. She can soothe her audience with a beautiful ballad, invigorate them with a reimagined standard, and challenge them with a powerful blast of pre-improvision. Yet all of these aspects exist within one singular and unique voice. VA often spices up her shows with world music influences from her own vocal exploration and circle singing, which she studied under the legendary Bobby McFerrin. Last year, she was honored to perform with McFerrin as part of his Atlanta, Georgia Circle Songs concert. In addition to performing with him, Virginia was handpicked to put together the exclusive 12-voice ensemble that led McFerrin's Circle Songs for the concert. So many of the messages we hear today speak of division and exclusion. My role as a vocal artist is not only to entertain and to soothe, but also to challenge, to provoke, says Shank. If music is resistance, then jazz is freedom. Resistance is my mission and freedom is my goal. Welcome to the podcast, Virginia. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. Yeah, and yeah, so nice to see you again. You know, we we met many, many years ago. Your your daughter is now a, a young woman with her master's degree in music therapy, and, and we met years ago when you were patients of mine when she was a child. So, no. so wonderful to reconnect with you. Absolutely. And you did a great job with her then, and I love seeing what you're doing, expanding your life. It's wonderful. Well, thanks. Well, so everybody else can know you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, where you started out, how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Well, I, you know, I guess like a lot of musicians, you know, just children who are born, they start making noise and and looking for sound and are inspired by sound. And um, so I always have been singing. As soon as I could reach the piano keys, my little fingers were up there and I'm the youngest of four children. And so I would hear my siblings play things and I'd go and try to imitate them at the piano and, um, you know, picked up guitar along the way. And in school, I was in everything from chorus to, um, you know, ensembles, whatever they would have. And church life too was a big part of, Um, musically and um, all those things through high school and theater and um, you know whatever I could get into and um, which was a good thing to get into and stay into and um, served me well and so then when I was in high school actually I went to a career day that my high school had which was a fabulous offering, I would say, I wish every high school would do this, where you got to go kind of hear alumni talk about different jobs that they do. And I actually went to hear a special education teacher talk about her job. And she mentioned several variations of special education, one of which was music therapy. And so literally, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And so I thought, well, gosh, that just kind of puts together um, 
music and um, healing or helping others service, um, which made sense to me and felt right for me. And also because, you know, music industry can be awfully tough and it just seemed like a right fit and a, a practical thing to do and um, but really inspiring mostly and so then I went when I went to college I looked for a school that would have that degree so I went to the music school at Florida State music in music therapy and um, while I was there studied jazz and um, of course you have you have to kind of do all the music protocol that it, you know a music major does in addition to psychology and special education and all the things it's a lot of work actually mm -hmm. and um, but so fascinating and um, and then an internship on top of your four years and so um, I tended to head in the area of um, mostly um, psychology and addiction, like in psychiatric hospitals is where I gravitated to, really more dealing with the emotional self and, or the psycho-spiritual self um, has been my greatest interest, but I've worked with a lot of, a variety of, of folks. Um, and all this time, you know, like even in college, I would still be performing, you know, I'd go out and perform on the side. So I had a nice balance of both and, but I had my day job for many, many years as a music therapist. Um, and my first job as a music therapist was in Macon, Georgia, which is, um, you know, really has a rich history of soul and R&B and blues music, um, some jazz as well. Um, and there, some of your um, audience may have heard of the Almond Brothers. You know, that's where they got their start with Capricorn Records. And when I was there, um, they were not touring. It was kind of before the retro tours took off. And I was at um, a, a club sitting in with a, a organist who was playing, and there was a drummer with him too. And someone said, that's JMO from the Almond Brothers. And I just went, okay you know and I'm, I'm just singing away but anyway we ended up becoming very good friends he really is quite a jazz guy and that's how he got his training in high school and um he was really quite influential into the jam bands for rock and roll which is an offshoot of jazz jazz really influenced rock and roll and all pop and all kinds of things so um he really helped me um, even after school, you know, you get your school education, but then you get your on the streets and on the job education. And um, so I spent many hours listening to his great record collection and playing together in his studio. And then we we did some gigs together for a while before then all the Allman Brothers retro tours took off. And then I moved to Atlanta. And um, so anyway, you know, through adult life, um, stop me if you want me to say something else but but for many years um you know having a good day job which is helpful for musicians to have day jobs and um working with all all sorts of folks when i moved to atlanta um most of the full-time jobs then were taken um and so that's when i started freelancing and as a mid 20 year old something and um it actually was good. It served me well because I had to go kind of, you know, fight for myself and find jobs. And um, and it 
helped me learn the city and I had to learn meeting a lot of people and gain my confidence and um, it was great. I got a lot of experience. Um, it was wonderful. So I, I was then again working with psychiatric folks either in short-term care or with teenagers or with eating disorder patients or um, learning disabilities, um, some autism a little bit. Um, and then I did some um, work at hospice then. My daughter now is actually a full-time hospice music therapist. She loves that kind of work. And um, I did some, some of the early work with um, music therapy assisted childbirth um, so kind of like all over the, all over the place. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and again, you know, performing at night and, um, raising a family, the performing at night kind of, you know, took a back burner because I really wanted to be at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of tough. Um, but then once she was kind of launched, I, um, I thought, well, I, I really might want to get back out there when she's out the door and spend some more time theater gigs you know performing and that's when i met bobby mcferrin so that that is a um you mentioned that in my bio and it really was quite a pivotal um time in my life um i attended a workshop which is where i got to meet him where he teaches this circle singing which is um to explain to folks um it's really like a choral sound. I mean, you can have a few people or you can have a whole choir of people in like soprano, alto, tenor, bass or more or less of those voices. Um, but you create in the moment, no music, you're not reading anything. You're just listening to sounds, making up a little something and you get one group to sing it and then you maybe add another part that's going to go with it and you get them to sing it and so you're creating and building on building blocks we call it um polyphony um mm -hmm. you know or harmonies that are adding on if that makes sense to anyone listening um so it, it could be in a in a roundish way it could be in a canon could be all sorts of things it could be taking people in and out and whatever but you're making instant music just in the moment which is really how people always made music you know before we could read music or write it down um you can change it you can um do all sorts of things so it's really really fun and um it so inspired me uh, I, it just lit my fire and even being like a lifelong musician and a trained musician, it, it, I think it reinvigorated the child in me. And it also got me out of paper music, what we call paper music off the page back into my spontaneous, um, self and, um, really listening with just the ear and just creating in the moment, mm -hmm. um, and in fact, like for about a year or more, the harmonies, because it just almost like burst open my ears with like creativity and how I heard harmony. And like, like I just said, I'm a trained musician, right? Mm -hmm. But like all the harmonies were like turned upside down in my head. I couldn't even like put things together for a while. It was really wild there for a while, but um, it was kind of necessary to, to shake it up. Um, and it, and, all of that shaking up my music life 
shook up my personal life because that's just the way things go and you know they're hand in glove and um you know some of that was tough but some of it was really needed um things that needed shaking up and reordering and um really all for the better and um gave me lots of energy and um I still have lots of energy that really went was kind of pent up for a while and I didn't even know it. Um, so I, I love creating, even if it's not just music, I'm, I'm often bursting with ideas and people are like, oh my gosh, you have so many ideas. And it's, it's true. I do. There's, there's a great line from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, where she says, um, I often have like six impossible dreams before breakfast. And mm -hmm. that is me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that was, um, you know, my first entree with Bobby. And um, of course, then it was just like, you know, for a while, he was like my guru, you know, and um, then I had to like, okay, no, like, be a human. And, mm -hmm. um, and he really inspired me to just like, you know, make what you learned, like make it your own. And so I came home. And, um, you know, after working with him a bit, I really I, I tasked myself it's like okay I'm, I'm, i want to teach this and i was already teaching as well i was teaching in a private school um mm -hmm. some early um childhood music and went to the high school and said i want to start working with the high schoolers and so got doing that and um um yeah also you know tasked myself to get back into studying more music theory and my jazz theory and and pushing myself to to do that and going out to perform and then all of a sudden i'm kind of reinvigorated in the jazz life in atlanta and people kind of said look where have you been and you know and, and one thing leads to another and you know then you start accumulating a repertoire and they're like you know people are like well well let's record this and you're like okay well what does that cost and well i think i could okay we'll do a little bit of this and where does that go and then you get picked up by this and this and then it's on the jazz charts and then you, I, I don't know how these things happen. <laughs> it's, it's not like I thought, oh, I'm going to go out and do this. I just was having fun with music and things happen. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. That's kind of how things have happened and, and things have evolved from there. I mean, I guess, um, I'll let you ask a question in a second, but there's one thing I wanted to say is that, um, because I have been working as a music therapist, and I am a music therapist, um, and, and that's a licensed kind of degree thing that I've been through. Um, I took Bobby's circle song, um, circle singing, circle song formula, and really adapted it and have done some training with music therapists, how they can use it in um, a therapeutic format for their particular clients. and. Mostly now, I don't do any direct care anymore because I'm busy with performing and some teaching um, or lecturing or what have you. But I do um, continue continuing education for music therapists, and I really love that. Um, and I feel like it's my way of giving back to the profession. Um, so, um, and then that got published in the International Dictionary of Music, music Therapy. So I was very proud of that. That and, is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your Somebody asked me to do that. it. And so, okay. I mean, it's like, you know, 
I wasn't looking for it. I just, and, and that kind of makes me feel like I must be doing something right. Cause, um, it just, you know, if you get asked to do things, it just feels right. Just like you asking me here tonight. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. You're, you're, you're leaving your legacy along the way, little pieces here, little pieces there. Well, hope so, so. Yeah. Very exciting. So for people who don't know what a musical therapist does, what do you do if you're working with a, a client or a patient? How are you working with music? Sure. So that's a great question. And, you know, um, most people love music and certainly know that it has some sort of effect on on them. And um, you're right, it does. And um, there are lots of ways to do that. And um, you can do it at home for yourself. And um, however, it is a degreed program. And um, we learn as music therapists and have to take tests and keep up a license and continuing education. Um, but we um, learn, you know, the psychology behind it. You know, some people specialize, psychology is more where I specialize in, but some music therapists are really more behaviorally oriented and they go into the behavioral scientists or neurology. Um, they might be specialists. That's not my specialty, so I can't speak to that so much. Um, a lot of you may have heard of Dr. Oliver Sacks, who um, was a doctor in neurology in New York, and he he did some great brain studies and, and whatnot with um, music that really helped define some of that. But there, if you think of any special need, whether it's music during surgery, music with gerontology and Alzheimer's, music with um, people learning to walk again, um, you know, with gait, you know, just setting the pace of things to help, um, help them. Um, speech therapy, you know, just any particular, any particular niche music therapy can play a role. And depending on what that role, what that need is, there will be specific music for it. Um, a lot of times I think of people think of, oh, oh, music, you must play something soothing. Well, not necessarily, mm -hmm. maybe, but it may be that they need something invigorating to motivate them to, it has to be the right pace. And, and also you have to really know your client because some people, you know, it's not just a one size fits all, you know, it doesn't work that way. We do all have our palette of sounds and our backgrounds um, of diversity that we come from. And it may be that, you know, so-and-so over here, you know, can't stand saxophones. If you play a saxophone, it's going to drive him up the wall. Mm -hmm. Or someone over here might, you know, not like harp, you know. So you have to really know the protocol of the person, what genres they like, what inspire them, what are aversive to them. So it takes a music therapist working through all those things to know specifically what's going to work with them. So um, yeah, it's interesting because yeah. when I think about when you go to the doctor and you fill out a form saying, okay, I have this illness, that illness, yeah. this allergy, whatever. But you, you, you would have a questionnaire is, do you like the harp or the clarinet? Or <laughs> yeah, well, actually, a lot of times we'll have little sound things. So you take a sound test, you know, how do you rate that? How does that make you feel? You know, but depends on, you know, who the music therapist it is and, um, 
everybody works differently, just like doctors and therapists work differently, and depends on the kind of therapy or treatment you would be going for. So, so would the therapy consist of just playing the music for the person, or are they doing something while they're listening? Great question. I love that question. Um, could be either. Could be both. Again, it depends on the functioning level of the patient and the functioning need of the patient. Um, if the patient is capable, maybe. If they're not capable, obviously you're going to have to do it for them. Um, so it just depends. If it's someone with, if it's a child with special needs, most likely you're going to want them engaged and physical and doing it with you. If it's someone in hospice, probably they're not doing it with you. You're mm -hmm. doing it for them. Um, so again, just depends on the needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was just curious. I know um, with the vision therapy, which I've done for years, um, as I got into it, I got more and more into actually the brain therapy piece of it, where the vision part become maybe 20% and the brain part become closer to 80%. And you know, sometimes we're um, the person's doing it themselves, and sometimes we're helping them. But for example, if someone, if you want someone to tap to rhythm, if it was someone that wouldn't be capable, like maybe someone hospice who's not well. I mean, would you do something like tap on their hand and beat or do something like that? How, how do you integrate that for that person? Absolutely. Absolutely, you would. Um, you know, again, it depends on the specific person. But that's right. If you wanted them to feel it, you would keep the beat. And again, depending on the person, maybe not a soft beat, but, you know, a steady, you know, fairly firm beat so that it's, it's a, a good feel all those little nuances that make difference mm -hmm. um, and what kind of pace you know probably for hospice it is going to probably be more calm mm -hmm. kind of. that makes sense yeah. so um so people who get into music therapy who actually are the patients they would usually be in some situation where they're getting some other treatments and music therapy would be a part of it or sometimes it does it stand alone Sometimes it does stand alone, but you're right. Often it is um, an offering, you know, within um, a communal setting where there are other offerings, which is great that, mm -hmm. that we exist in that way. Um, but there are music therapists who um, have private practice, and mm -hmm. some of them uh, would be willing to work with any kind of client, like in the home. Again, could be, you know, children who are home with autism. Mm -hmm. um, gerontology or, you know, older folks who are still at home. Um, there are some pools of music therapists who have a consortium of music therapists and they come out, you know, work to various entities. Um, it just depends. So, or you might just decide, gee, I want to, I want some music therapy. I mean, there are some music therapists who specialize in guided imagery, which is really more like doing dream work, you know, mm -hmm. So that's not necessarily like you have a disability. It's just like, oh, really doing some deeper self-awareness um, work. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, again, anywhere on the spectrum, right? That you right. could- well, Music can take us anywhere. Of course, right? So many places, depending yeah. on what kind it is. So, you know, the dream work makes sense to me. 
Yeah. I've also heard that, you know, drumming is really, really healing for so many people. Absolutely. Of course. I mean, you just know how, you know, you feel when you're dancing or, um, you know, if you sing in a choir or, you know, yeah, a drum circle, I mean, anything. I mean, that's just inherently therapeutic because music is inherently therapeutic and um, taking it to the next level for special needs is even more so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, such a wonderful profession. And um, I know I would I'll use music to change my state. So if I'm kind of feeling down, I'll yeah. put on something that makes me feel happier. A lot of times I'll combine that by jumping on a trampoline, <laughs> listening to music. Yes. If yes. I'm angry, I might put one kind of music. If I just want to be lifted up, I might put another kind of music. And it That's can right. take us places wherever we need way. to go. Or if you need to get the housework done, you know, you need to like really you know, charge it up. You know, one of the things to caution for, and this is kind of interesting, if someone is like, really sort of depressed and you try to play really elevated music sometimes that can really push them down further so there's there's a kind of thing where you need to kind of match especially with depression get closer to where they are to bring them up just very gradually so there's a lot of misunderstanding sometimes in like Oh, let's just kind of cheer them up out of this, you know, depression or blues or, you know, of course, it depends on the severity of the depression, right? Are we talking clinical or just, you know, mom's not feeling too good. Mm -hmm. uh, but but often, you know, we can we have to be careful of that, that we're not pushing down the depression and making it worse because I'm not feeling like you. I don't feel like dancing right now. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like when someone's really sad and you're all happy and they, they you can't even really converse with them because they're not hearing what you yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Now let's talk about music and being spontaneous. I know okay. performing, you're very spontaneous. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, you know, we're going to have show notes that has your, your website and, you know, you have a YouTube, you know, channel where you have your music. And your music is so different and so unique. And what I like about it is as I'm listening, I don't know what you're going to do next. It's fun. <laughs> I know you said that to me earlier. And I, and I said to you, because I don't know what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's one of the things, particularly in the, in the jazz genre that allows the platform, the container or the, the way to be spontaneous. Um, so that's one of the things I love about it. Um, it's fabulous. Um, so I love to be spontaneous and music. I mean, I, I love all kinds of music and I have performed all kinds of music and, you know, playing, um, you know, a Chopin etude on the piano is lovely and to recreate it is lovely but also to um, to make something up or to sing, you know, all of me in a whole different way than I ever sang it before is the cat's meow because right now it's it's um, January and it's a full moon and I feel one way and tomorrow, we'll, you know, it'll, I'll feel a different way. So, you know, do you want to do it fast or slow? Do you want to do it sultry or 
sad or do you, um, I don't know, how do you want to do it? Or do you want to change the key? Or, you know, are you doing it with a guitar or have you got a whole combo or, you know, so all those elements which are really more true to life to me. So the metaphors and the teaching of that, um, I don't know, it just like, see, I could just get excited talking about it. Like what's gonna happen? And, and it's a conversation. And this is a kind of thing that most, not all, but most jazz musicians um, are hip to, they know, and that's what they love about it too. It's like, we have this language and we know within this language that we have solidity in that we know where we're going and how to hold it together so we're not going to just fall apart. Mm -hmm. It's not going to turn into mush. We know how to hold it together, but we know how to dance within that form. And so it's, it's fantastic. So it's like everybody, a whole, it's like having a chorus or a whole band holding it together but everybody gets to have a say. So the, the guitarist might say something and I'll say something back. And then, you know, a horn player might do something and I say something back, you know, and, and everybody, so you keep responding in the moment, but you're still holding it together. Now that's like the best family metaphor mm -hmm. and democracy metaphor, which is what jazz is actually based on, mm -hmm. um, you know, or just community you know, how a community can function healthily and well is that we support each other and yet everybody gets to have a, a say and a conversation and we talk it out, but we're still together at the end of the song. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. And just the thought that, you know, music is a language and it is a conversation yeah. and, you know, it tells stories and it takes Absolutely. with it through the story. And then if you play that same song, but like you said, the same form of the same song, but then you play it a little bit differently the next day, your story changes. So we have all this choice, all this possibility. And when you have that, to me, that equals freedom. And that is one of my highest values. Yes, absolutely. And to that degree, you know, sometimes I look at some of my songs and I go, they're not a part of me anymore. I'm, I don't sing those songs anymore. Mm -hmm. I sang them and that's done. But some of them are like timeless and I could just, oh, I could sing that forever and ever, you know. That makes sense because I do the same thing with art. I'll sure. Something I really enjoyed as I'm creating it and then like, okay, I'm done. Next thing, the next thing is totally different. Yeah. Totally different way of going. Yeah. So you were talking about democracy, you have a new album out, talk yeah. about the story behind that, about your grandmother and... Yeah, oh great. Yeah, well, in the last few years, um, I knew the, um, the um, centennial was coming up for women having the right to vote. Um, our world has been in kind of a funny place around democracy um, and I love democracy and um, personally I love a healthy two-party system and um, I was becoming um, sad and a little frustrated that maybe the two parties were not talking to each other very well 
um, and just noticing that. Um, so I was thinking about my country. I love my country. And um, in my concerts, I started singing about some of these things that I love, singing America the Beautiful, um, singing about Abraham, Martin, and John, um, heroes that of mine that I love. Um, one of the songs about my grandmother, now I can't think of it at the moment, but my grandmother was a suffragette, my mom's mom, in Philadelphia in the 1920s, pregnant with my mom. And it just dawned on me, that's only two generations, and I have a daughter too, um, but it, it even seemed more profound that it was my mom's mom, that this line of women, my mother was politically active um, and an artist, and um, it just hit me profoundly, only two generations that women have had the right to vote. Here we are, people, there was a lot of voter apathy, some, you know, in the last, about four years ago, not so much now, people have, you know, really turned out, but um, I thought, gosh, come on, folks, you gotta, like, you know, use your voice, you know, vote, whatever it is, you know, use your, your, your voice. So I started speaking to those things, and um, one thing just sort of led to another, and um, I realized I had a nice um, package of an, what I thought was an album and that it might be a good idea to put it together. Love for my country, and um, I call it Battle Cry, which was really a battle cry, not meaning to be, um, <laughs> you know, our world has gotten more divisive since then, since it got named and um, since it came out, and I don't mean it that way at all. It just was a metaphor for um, a song I wrote within that album called Hear My Battle Cry of um, let's live in truth. Let's, you know, bring out our best self. Let's um, let's talk about these things. Um, so my battle cry is let's let's live in truth. Let's get to the bottom of things and talk and and be, and be right with each other. So so that's battle cry. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's beautiful. So you all have to go listen after this. Thank you. So, um, and one of the things that you had um, as part of the bio and the questions I ask you is, um, what's the importance of racial equ equity and healing? Well, for me, it's huge um, because this is America's story. It is how you know America was built on racial inequity, in my opinion. Um, you know, we did bring people here enslaved and that story, even though we abolished slavery, the story is still eating at us. And we haven't, in my opinion, dealt well with that story. And so, that's why we're still having so much trouble, I think. And um, in my view, everybody walking this planet was born the same, under the same sun, under the same moon, 
with the same rights and um, I'm sure my family line has made mistakes. I'm sure I've made mistakes, but I want to better those mistakes and um, hold myself up to a better standard and write what's wrong and open my heart to love everybody. I don't know how we get there, but it starts by having more conversation and doing the hard work and having the hard conversations, lots of listening, lots and lots of listening, coming to the table together, um, letting people voice themselves and hearing the stories, sharing our stories. And um, I think that's the way we get to healing. It's not gonna be a fast train, but I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. And it's probably gonna be bumpy for a while, but certainly there's a lot more awareness than there was even a year ago. <laughs> That's true. That is so yes. true. Yes. Yeah. And so. your voice is being expanded all over because um, another thing that we didn't go over, maybe you can share with, you've been around the world singing. So you want to yeah. share with us some of the places you've been and the things you've done? Well, um, you know, radio is a great thing. <laughs> Internet is a great thing. And, um, you know, recordings are a great thing. And, and once they're out there, um, you know, things can take off. And um, I've been very blessed to have been um, many places. And um, I've been in mostly Western Europe, um, Canada, maybe the islands a little bit. Um, radio airplay is around the globe, but um, performing mostly Western Europe, I would say. And um, I also um, teach some and do what I call singing journeys. And I love to take people um, to sacred sites because to me, like where kind of like when I was talking about circle singing or even jazz that came from communities um, and, and creating things in the moment, it's to me it's from culture and so like folk songs it's that means it's songs from people it, whatever it is it's people it's songs from out of you <laughs> whatever pops out of you and just like we know in the southeast united states there's a sound or you know south florida has a sound and new orleans has a sound and you know it's like just like they have food and they have you know other things that um are regional well, um, I like to go to other places and, um, well, in fact, I, I've done um, singing journey retreats on the Gullah Coast um, outside of Charleston, the, you know, the islands, and that's some of the um, leftover from enslaved people, the Gullah culture, um, which fed into jazz. And, and it's not like I know a lot about these things, but I bring in artists from it and, and we go into the ocean and we sing and we stand in the sand and we, you know, like, what can we absorb and what can these people teach us? And we eat some of the food and um, we go to Ireland and we Wonderful. do the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's in the rocks, what's in the soil. And we meet with Irish people and Irish singers and hear Irish stories. And how does that inform us? And what can we absorb and learn and from them and from that culture and, um, so I've been, you know, around. 
around a bit. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. So have you come across people who say, I can't sing? And what oh. is your answer for them? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just laugh. <laughs> just like you. <laughs> no, of course you can. If you can talk, you can sing. In fact, there's like new research out, I think through the Smithsonian, I read this or National Geographic, that they actually think that human beings were singing before we were speaking. Mm -hmm. That's, have you heard this too? No, I haven't, but that's oh, really interesting. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. So we might have been having a conversation like this instead of. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that's fascinating. So actually, if you can talk, you can sing. And sometimes we find um, some of the neurological stuff, which I don't know much about, but sometimes people can sing when they need to learn to speak again. Oh, oh, um, Gabby Giffords, the, um, the woman who was shot, the senator in Colorado, um, when she, there's some YouTubes on it you all could go and look at, and a music therapist worked with her to help her gain her speech back. Um, I, I'm pretty sure this is right. I think she could um, sing some of her speech to then um, acquire to getting to her speech uh, to, for talking. And it, she used the singing voice first to get back to the speech voice. So it's fascinating. So yes, you can sing. <laughs> how well you sing depends on how much time you spend with it. Ah, yeah. That makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. Right. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I was telling you, I have a, I have a two-year-old granddaughter and she's now speaking in sentences, but before that she was learning by singing songs, you know, listening to these child, you know, toddler age songs. Yeah. And sometimes she can almost sing the whole song and know the words, which is amazing. Which she was singing. She actually was singing before she was saying sentences That's for quite a long time. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So that yeah, is really amazing. Yes. So just to ask on a personal note, what gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life? Connecting with other people, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like, like right now, like, you know, this just makes me so happy. Like, you know, getting to share what I do and hoping that it makes a difference. And I know I'm not singing right now, but we're talking about music and we're talking about the, the connectedness. And um, so it's every aspect of it talking about. I love talking about music. There's some musicians who don't want to talk about their music or how they do it or whatever. Oh, I love talking about it. Like, mm -hmm. let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's pull it apart. Let's do some more. Let's like I love everything about it. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I want people to be able to connect with you. So yeah. we've been kind of talking about things kind of throughout the podcast, but why yeah. did you tell people, okay, where do they find you? Do you have a website? Where's your YouTube channel? Any courses you're doing now? Just kind of go through the list of things, reasons or ways they can get a hold of you. Sure, absolutely. So I do have a website and um, it's www.virginiashank.com. Now that is hard to spell. So hopefully Kimberly will put it at the, um, the end here, but Virginia, V-I-R-G-I-N-I-A, Shank, listen to this, 
S-C-H-E-N-C-K, S-C-H-E-N-C-K, S-C-H-E-N-C-K. Have you got it? <laughs> you did it musically. Shank.com. <laughs> and um, if you go there, you will find all the links to my YouTube channel, email list, which I send out regularly. I do a blog monthly. Um, I'm on Facebook, that Twitter, Instagram, all those good things. So all the links are right there. That's your best bet. Um, but you could go looking for me on Facebook. I, you know, I think it's VA Virginia. I mean, I kind of forget the, all the, the nomenclature for it. But if you go to my website, that's the best bet to find me there. Beautiful. Yeah, you can channel VA Virginia Shank. Yeah. That's me. Thanks for yeah. being here today and for oh, sure. Thank you for story. having me. It's been great spending time with you and sharing my story. Yes, it's been so much fun. So before we finish, I have one last question. What is your best advice for living an incredible, amazing life? Do it. Don't delay. And as much as you can in every moment, be truthful with yourself. Even if it's just a little inkling in the back of your mind, like, I kind of think I might like to try this, then just go try it. And if it, even if you decide, no, that's not it, at least you tried it. Mm -hmm. And then if you get another little inkling, go try that. Because one of them is going to be Pandora's box, I promise. All right. Well, thank you so much, Virginia. You're welcome. Thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, I hope so. Thanks so 